Forecast, the Foreshadow Podcast, seeking glimpses of heaven on earth through conversations about people's lives and work. I'm Josh, the editor of Foreshadow, an online literary magazine featuring work that points to the kingdom of God. Today's forecast is with anesthetist and intensive care doctor Matt Jackson, who works at his local hospital just south of Manchester, England. He shares with us the relationship between his Christian faith and his medical practice, as well as what he's learned through caring for patients in their times of suffering. Here's my conversation with Matt. So Matt, thank you for joining me today on this episode um, and, and taking the time to speak with us. Um, welcome. Thanks, thanks, Josh. Thanks for, for inviting me to uh, take part in this. Um, Great. Yeah. Could, could you please introduce yourself uh, to our listeners and especially focusing on the themes of medicine and faith in your life? Um, so uh, I'm an intensive care and anesthetic doctor uh, in the UK, um, originally born in the UK and then uh, grew up during my teenage years in, in the Middle East. Um, and I suppose medicine something that I've, you know, some kids want to be bus drivers or train drivers or astronauts or football players. Um, you know, it's something that I've always wanted to do from my earliest memories. Uh, and I guess as a career, it's something that, um, that, I've, that I've grown into. Uh, and I suppose Josh and I started talking about this um, as I shared a, um, a sermon that I'd done a few years ago, uh, just kind of drawing some reflections from how, how my faith impacts uh, my practice uh, as a doctor. Uh, and, and probably fair to say vice versa as well, how, how medicine affects my faith. Mm, yes, Th thank you. Um, yeah, and so, well, going into that, um, that, that'll be the main focus of our conversation is that sermon that you gave. Um, and so that, that was about four years ago at, at a church, is that right? That, that one of your home churches... Yeah, so that, that was at my uh, at my home church in uh, Jerusalem, uh, yes. where I was a teenager. Uh, but even though it was four years ago when you gave that sermon, it's still applicable today, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, it was um, it was one of those things where you know we we went back to to visit uh, to visit Jerusalem, and um, my old pastor asked if I'd be willing to speak. So uh, I said, you know, it's. I'm a doctor, really. I don't really, not too sure what my message is. So I kind of stuck to what I knew. Uh, and uh, I guess the sermon was, uh, was trying to order some of the reflections that I've always had in my subconscious, um, trying to order them into something a little bit more um, presentable in, in, in public formats, really. Okay, yes. Um... Well, before we go into the sermon, though, I think it'd be great if our listeners got to know a little bit more about your journey as a doctor. So, um, and so, if if you don't mind, can you say more about um, what drew you to study medicine, um, specifically anesthesiology and intensive care? 
Yeah, so, I mean, as I said, I've been a doctor is almost one of those sort of earliest memories that I can have. I remember probably being two or three visiting, uh, visiting the doctors uh, for some minor ailment as a kid and sort of thinking, yeah, I want to be a doctor when I grow up. And it's, hmm. it's a drive that's probably never left me. But I guess as with, with all kind of um, ideas, it's one that, one that changes and grows um, over, over time. Uh, I guess in school, I've always, um, always been strong uh, in sciences. So, you know, that was, mm -hmm. that kind of helped confirm that that was probably a good direction for me to be, uh, for me to be moving in. Mm -hmm. uh, in my early teenage years, uh, my family was involved in quite a nasty um, road traffic uh, collision, uh, which landed um, my parents and my brother in hospital for quite quite a long time. Mm. Uh, I managed to come out of the accident uh, miraculously unscathed. So I had you know sort of a wow. good ten weeks or so visiting different different family members in hospital, uh, and I suppose that you know that was that was really a time where I started to understand and see what. Um, see what a career in medicine might look like and you know to to understand some of the some of the complexities of what that might be involved involved and and also start to understand you know sort of some of the different departments as well um, so you know some family members were in intensive care uh, my brother was on the pediatric ward you know so just sort of seeing how different different parts of the hospital are and and, and interact uh, and then i guess as i you know as i entered into late teenage years, uh, you know, the, the idea of medicine still appealed. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, sort of going through medical school, I suppose I'd always just wanted to be a doctor. And then suddenly, as you're, as you, you know, going through the training process, you, there's suddenly such a realization that there are so many different flavors of, of mm. being a doctor and what that can entail, uh, you know, sort of something that's more education focused or research focused, uh, you know, and the, there's so many different specialties out, uh, out there. Mm. Um, I was drawn to anesthesia and intensive care because I guess as a medical student, I just, those were the placements that I really enjoyed. And, uh, you know, those, those were the specialties where I met people sort of further on in the career than I am, but I met them and kind of thought, I identify with you, you know, I, it's, you're the kind of person I'd like to work alongside with uh, mm. for the rest of my life. I suppose on a, on a sort of more objective level, you know, intensive care and anesthesia are what we call support specialties. So we, no one comes into hospital for an anesthetic per se, no one comes into hospital to have intensive care. Uh, we were specialties that support other departments in the hospital doing what they can do, you know, so people come into hospital for an operation uh, and the, the anaesthetic is what, what facilitates that happening. And I suppose as, you know, someone who's slightly more introverted, that the idea of being, being there to support as opposed to being the front man was slightly appealing. Uh, you know, they're both quite highly, there's lots of technology um, in, in both anaesthesia and ICU, which, you know, as a, as a bit of a nerd was always appealing uh, and a really strong physio you know focus on physiology um throughout the training process which you know which was also appealing to me as well thank you mm, that's really interesting and um 
were there any overlaps in your journey of being a doctor with your faith? For instance, um, did you ever ask maybe what God wanted you to do? That's just one example. Or, or it seems like it was pretty clear to you from the beginning. That, and so you may not have really wondered that. But how, what role did your faith play, if any, in, in this journey as in becoming a doctor? Um, I mean, I think that, you know, that childish notion that I've had, you know, in, in later years, uh, you know, I'd call, I'd call it a calling or, you know, medicine is my vocation, it's, it's my calling, uh, you know, and the, the way that God spoke to me is, you know, it's, was that initial, initial idea as a toddler, which, you know, was just throughout life being, being confirmed, you know, as, as, as I've, as I've grown and matured and, you know, the, the idea itself has also grown and grown and matured as well. One, well, something I want to ask is just to let our read our listeners know that you, you are a Christian and, yeah. and has that been, um, have you been a Christian all your life or, um, was there a point when you became, were not, and then became a Christian or yeah, and that, that's really that's really what I was um, at, really yeah. getting at. Um, yeah, so I, I grew up in a Christian family, um, and you know, ultimately, my parents were missionaries um, as I was a teenager. Uh, so, and I, and I guess in a similar way as you know, sort of, I've always wanted to be a doctor. I suppose I've always been a Christian, but again, it's you know, it's. Mm there have been points in my life particularly you know as a teenager and a young adult where you where you make definite decisions um mm -hmm. as you start to regain as you start to gain your own uh, independence and you know you start looking around the world and having having experiences uh and you, you know so i suppose i've never had that uh road to damascus moment mm. of conversion it's, right. it's it's more a process and you know i guess there have been definite points but they've maybe been yeah. less dramatic than than sort of a, a road to damascus kind of okay testimony. right okay that's interesting and and would you say and i'm just interested in this and would you say uh your journey to become a doctor was similar in the sense that there may not have been a road to damascus point where you realized i will become a doctor but it was more of a gradual realization as well is there, are there parallel uh, yeah yeah i'd say i'd say there's real parallels there actually mm -hmm. uh, I suppose I've never thought about it until until now, just uh, just chatting about it. Interesting. Well, why don't we go to your sermon now, and um, and so yeah, you you were saying that these are some points that you've kind of been thinking about throughout your your life, but they kind of maybe crystallized when you when you gave this sermon. Is that is that right? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, I suppose I'm quite a messy thinker, and I, I have lots of ideas flying around my head, which are all interrelated. Uh, but maybe not quite as um, as organised as they might be. So, uh, when I sat down to sort of think about how to how to put this into something that was uh, manageable for other people to uh, to listen to, um, I chose some I chose some headings which kind of identified some of the main themes. Um, to a certain extent, they're slightly artificial headings because I just pulled them pulled them out of the air when I was writing the sermon, but um, I think they kind of, they kind of work. Okay. Uh, so I suppose I've got one theme about, you know, our bodies being amazing, uh, you know, and that, that's drawn out of, 
you know, spending, I guess the last, last 30 plus years studying how the body works. Um, a point about looking after our bodies and, um, you know, I guess that's, there are some, there are some messages we have within, you know, sort of Christian traditions, which are very much about looking after our bodies, but I just, just wanted to, um, bring those thoughts into the focus of some of the, some of the science that's, that's around about how, you know, how to look after our bodies. Uh, the next point is uh, one that I always slightly swallow when I say, but um, we are mortal. And I think, you know, sort of particularly in my work in intensive care where, uh, you know, sort of up to 30% of our patients do do die while we're looking after them. Uh, you know, that's that's a stark reminder that I have, uh, you know, sort of on, on a regular basis in my working life that we are mortal. And I think that that does, that's perhaps something that we we don't see much in modern life and we don't reflect on. Uh, much in modern life uh, and then the fi the final point is i guess what's the what's the point of being a a doctor or a healthcare worker you, you know is it is it to heal people uh is it to do something else and i suppose my my conclusion or, or the way that i that i live and practice is actually i think you know ultimately my job as a healthcare worker is is to care for people who are who are struggling um, so yeah, those, those are kind of my, my four, my four themes. Our bodies are amazing. Look after your body. We're mortal. Uh, and the role of the role of a, a physician is to care. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. And rather than asking you to give your sermon the way that you gave it at the church, I'll, maybe we'll just, um, kind of, I'll ask some questions about each of the four points that, that you've, you've raised. So the first one, our bodies are amazing. Can you give us, our listeners, an example of what you find amazing about the body, human body? Yeah, so, I mean, I guess, I guess in Christianity, we've got the idea of, you know, that the church is the church is the body. And, you know, Paul talks about different parts of the body and different people being different parts of the body. Um, and I suppose throughout, you know, particularly throughout medical school, just starting to understand how the body works. Uh, together, you know, and it's it's not just different organs work together. You know, we can think about how the digestive system and the respiratory system and the cardiovascular system and the neurological systems work together to make you know to make a functioning human. Uh, but then within each organ, you can start thinking how, about how different parts of the organ uh, work together to do its function. Mm -hmm. And then you can start thinking on a cellular level, how the different cells are, are working together and communicating, communicating with each other. And then within the cell, you can think about the organelles within the cell and how they're all working together. And then you can dig down deeper and think about how the, the individual molecules within, within, within the organelles are, are interacting to, you know, to, to work together. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, there is just this, this real complexity, which you can just keep on diving deeper and deeper and, and, and deeper into, um, you know, I think as, as humans, we, we like to have linear, linear explanations for cause and effect. Uh, you know, we like to say, oh, this happened, you know, this happened and this caused, caused this together uh, to happen. And, you know, one of the things that is, clear to me when I've studied the human body is that 
clear cause and effect is so much more complex than you know sort of a simple a causes b uh, there's a whole web of interactions uh, you know so um during my studies um i took took you out to do some neuroscience uh, and i was looking at um looking at a particular uh, growth factor neuron growth factor uh, and essentially this is a protein that um that interacts with neurons in such a way that it encourages them to grow and it also prevents um, the death of neurons. Um, so I was, um, was at a party having a chat with one of my friends and, uh, you know, sort of talking about what I was doing and, and he was like, wow, this is amazing. You know, we, we, we need to harness this stuff and inject it into everyone. You know, we, we could, you know, we can cure, cure dementia. We can, we can cure, cure any neurodegenerative problem by just you know blasting people with uh, with nerve growth factor and it was kind of an interesting conversation there onwards because you know yes neurons dying is a problem but actually that's that's part of how that's part of how our brains develop is um you know the different neurons um have plasticity to them. They they change. They make interactions uh, with each other. And the neurons that are making lots of interactions uh, survive and thrive. And the neurons that that don't make any interactions actually actually die off. And that's that's how you have functional um, you know functionality within within the brain. So if we were to suddenly blast the whole brain with nerve growth factor and you know prevent any neuron from ever dying actually yeah you'd have loads of neurons staying alive but the that functionality that we you know that we so value in our intellect would wouldn't happen uh, and, and would just disappear so um i guess that's kind of you know that's kind of one one example of the the level of complexity we have and then when you know, now I'm I'm a practicing doctor. I'm not not massively involved in basic science research, but just thinking about that complexity we we have and recognizing the tools that I have at my disposal. You know, working in quite a high tech environment, mm -hmm. I can't interact with the body on the level of complexity that the body the body works at. You know, the the solutions that I've got are very blunt tools. You know, I can. I can blast blast something, uh, you know, hit 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 someone with with a particular drug or put someone on a particular machine, uh, but they're they're really sort of quite quite rudimentary, um, quite quite basic uh, interventions that you know that we have to offer with medicine. You know, and surgery is the same as well. You know, we can't we can't surgically interact on that cellular or molecular level you know we're, we're largely just cutting a problem out or or replumbing replumbing a problem uh, and you know for every intervention that we that we make there are always uh side effects uh, and, and problems uh so I, I mean i hope i'm not sounding too much of a downer on medicine you know i practice medicine and i i believe in it you know and i believe that what what we do is you know the risk the, the benefits outweigh right. the risk uh, but I think, you know, there is, there is also that humility mm -hmm. there as well in, in terms of, you know, we, our bodies are made so intricately and, you know, the, our understanding of them is, you know, every, everything that we find just opens up more questions mm -hmm. uh, and the way that we can interact are, 
with the body through through medical science are you know s- still quite um quite crass really mm. yes thank you and that that seems to be a transition perhaps into your next point look after your body because as you're saying maybe there's this expectation that or um understanding with uh, or belief that people have that doctors and medicine can fix everything that we don't have to really worry about looking after our bodies because well um, surgery will fix it or something like that but but your your next point look after your body shows that actually by taking care of your body that's probably one of the if not the best way to live healthily rather than relying on surgery or band-aids or medical treatments those things can are better than nothing but they're, they're not they're not going to um, be able to address um, uh, what is it the um, an ounce of prevention is is uh, stronger than a, a pound of of cure is that right something like that um, yeah yeah I mean that the idea of preventative medicine as opposed to um, as opposed to curative medicine uh, is always is always going to give you a much better return on your your investment yeah you know if we're kind of talking um, economic terms. Yeah. And, and, and then also it's, it seems what you're saying too, is, um, God has, God has designed our bodies or our bodies are, are, are naturally fitted with what they need, um, more f- to more much of, for, to such a f- finer degree than human technology can, um, can emulate. Uh, so can you, so can you say a little bit more about how we can look after our bodies um, and uh, maybe some of the, some of the, um, I think, yeah, some of the dangers of, of that as well. Yeah. So I guess when you, when you look at um, the scientific literature, you know, sort of public health literature in terms of things that we can do to, to ensure, uh, you know, sort of long good health, there are certain themes that always come out. uh, So, healthy eating, uh, regular exercise or activity, um, absence of, of addictions, good hygiene, uh, good sleep, good social contact, um, and, and stress management. And I suppose these are, you know, these are all behaviors or, or lifestyle uh, elements. Mm-hmm. I suppose being slightly provocative, you know, within Christianity, we have we have certain lifestyle uh, lifestyles that um, you know we we tend to talk about a lot. So you know, I'm sure most of us who've um, been in the church for a period of time have probably encountered some kind of sermon or some type kind of teaching on on alcohol, be it you know, sort of either absolute abstinence or or at least moderation. Mm. Uh, you know, and I suspect smoking probably fits in there as well. Um, but probably what what I've heard less about is you know sort of um, healthy eating, um, sleep, um, stress management. Uh, you know, so social contact is is really fellowship. And, you know, we talk we talk a lot about that in Christianity, mm-hmm. and you know these these behaviours or these lifestyles. You know how how we live our life is you know is is how we honor, we honor God and how we how we worship God. Uh, so I suppose it just you know when I was when I was giving this sermon, being slightly provocative, I wanted to just talk a little bit about um, you know what we eat and and how we 
how we fit activity into into our lives. Um, you know, historically, um, our lives have always been a lot more active. Uh, you know, the, there have been fewer machines around. We've we've needed to to labour to to produce our food and to you know sort of provide provide shelter. Uh, and as you know, as we've as we've developed as a society, um, the the amount of activity that we need to do has you know has reduced and reduced and reduced. And, you know, now it's mm-hmm. you know, if you want to go somewhere a few miles away, uh, you know, it's really easy just to jump in a car. You don't yeah. you don't even need to to walk there. You know, or uh, you, you can just jump mm-hmm. jump in the car. Uh, you know, the same is true of you know sort of doing laundry. Uh, you know. How, how many of us, uh, if we're making bread, actually have grown 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 the seed ourselves and ground right. it down? You know, we, yeah. we jump in the car, go to the supermarket, throw the flour and yeast into a bread maker, and come back. You know, in in a few hours' time, we've got a nice tasty loaf. Whereas, you know, historically things have things have been much more more labour labour intensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I'm starting to talk around the houses, but. There is this, there is this real benefit of of building physical activity into into our lives, and you know that's something that is is sometimes a little bit difficult in the in the modern environment that we live in. Uh, and you know, I think I think as believers, that's that is very much about you know sort of how we honor the bodies that God's, that God's given us, how, you know, how, how we tend to, how we tend, tend to it. Yeah. If I can just uh, jump in there, as you're saying that what comes to mind is when um, the apostle Paul says that our bodies are temples of the Holy spirit. And I don't know if I thought about it this way before, but a temple is a real sacred place. Like um, you you might think one might think of a church and the, the place where you have communion the, the altar or the table, that's such a sacred place, a holy place. And um, not to say that nowhere else is important or holy, but we, as, as Christians, we, we find that there's something um, important about where we worship God. And, um, and so thinking about our bodies in that same way, um, taking care of our bodies and seeing, it as, seeing them as sacred and as places, because as Christians, we believe that the Holy Spirit lives in us and um and so so how can we best um not just not just um well not just take care of our bodies but even beyond that um revere our bodies and um and see them as as almost you know sacred things um in the sense that because god is with us and and we we value god above all else and so we should also value our bodies where god we believe God, you know, is a part of, of that. So that's, that's a really uh, good, that's, thank you for sharing that. Um, uh, and uh, was there anything yeah, else? I, I think it was, that was a really, uh, yeah, that, that was a really good exegesis there. Uh, just really um, hit the, hit the nail on the head of what I was trying to say there, Josh. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks for putting it like that. Yeah. And, and I, I suppose that, that kind of comes down to, you know, to, to those initial points that I was raising beforehand. I suppose what, one, one extra point that I'd just like to talk about is, is healthy eating. You know, it's, 
again, in the society that uh, a lot of us live in, you know, fast food, processed food is is the easy uh, go to thing to to grab off, grab out of the cupboard, grab off the shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I, I kind of talk to this point as someone who spent a lot of my a lot of my life overweight, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm not, not preaching from a pedestal here, but pre- preaching from a from a point of having having lived this the you know thinking about the the health costs of obesity um they're actually really similar to um alcohol and and to cigarette consumption use uh, obesity is and poor diet are really damaging to our bodies uh and you know i think that's something that as believers we you know we we maybe don't always focus on as much as we mm-hmm. as much as we we might do mm-hmm. um and i think you know that's again comes comes down down to that point that you so eloquently put in you know sort of our bodies are a temple you know they they are they're they're god-given and it's you know it's a question of how we how we look after them and and how how we honor them and you know for for some people certain things are going to be um easier than than others you know some people really struggle with alcohol um Hmm. whereas you know other people that's that's really not a problem uh some people really you know really struggle with with fitting uh, you know physical activity and exercise into the life other people you know that's 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 easy for them you know and i think the same is true with 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 healthy eating as well you know some people it's it just naturally happens it's it's not something that they need to think about other people it's it is something that is um there is more of a challenge more of a challenge and more of a struggle uh and i think you know there's there's something in there um about how we interact with each other uh and and bear with each other uh, in the various struggles that we you know that we come across you know um mm-hmm. Kind of showing grace and compassion for people who might struggle with different things than we do, is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I suppose the the other thing to to just bring into there, you know, particularly when we start talking about um, diet and and mm-hmm. exercise, uh, you know, it's easy then to move into you know these these are quite faddish things as well, you know, sort mm-hmm. of the everyone buying the gym membership at the 1st of January, uh, you know, so everyone following the, the diet, the fad diet that they've seen mm-hmm. on social media or in a paper or whatever. Um, and, you know, I'm not, I suppose there's a balance to what I'm saying is the, there's, um, you know, don't make these things become idols they're, they're important things and there are things that should be a balanced part of a balanced part of our life but uh and you know for some people it's going to be more challenging than others uh, but in the same sense they shouldn't become the one and only thing that our that our lives are about you know sort of eating eating healthy or exercising mm-hmm. you know and i'm sure we all know that you know that one person who's uh you know they come around for a meal and the dietary requirements are so complex uh, and change on a day, you know, change depending on, uh, you know, what what dietary advice they, they've read mm-hmm. or, you know, some person who you can never get to hang out with because they're going for a run, going for a ride, going for going for something. So, uh, you know, there's 
there's balance there is balance there. Mm -hmm. And that, and I think that goes into the next point, what you're saying, because as much as we take care of our bodies, um, uh, there's, there's only, we can only take care of them so far because we are mortal and we, there, we will, we will come across limitations. We will come across illness uh, and we will die. And that's, that's your next point. Um, and so there's a humility there involved, isn't there too? Um, knowing that we can't, we can't save ourselves. We can't live forever in our current state. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose that's something that I come, come across in intensive care quite a lot is that, that questioning of the causality, you know, so my patients often come to me, um, on the doorstep of death and you know often this has happened quite suddenly um you know the patients themselves are generally unconscious so i don't get to speak to them but i do get to speak to their families uh and you know sort of i have to be quite frank with the families and say you know this is this is serious and you know there are no guarantees that that your relative's going to get out of this alive and i suppose the the natural the natural questioning or bargaining or grief reaction that we go through is, well, why did this happen? You know, was it, was it because if they'd not done this or if they had have done that, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have ended up here. I guess kind of going back to my first point. Yes. You know, it's, it's important that the healthy lifestyle is, is important. And I truly believe it's, it's God honoring to, to follow that, but just because you're following a healthy, healthy lifestyle doesn't mean that you're going to live forever. Uh, you know, we are, we are all mortal beings and, you know, just, just that complexity that's, that's there, you know, sort of the, with the human body, there is no, in the majority of cases, no direct causal relationship of if I'd have done that, this wouldn't have happened. Mm. Um, so yes, you know, living a healthy lifestyle, I, you know, truly believe is important, but we're all going to die as well. And I think, you know, that's, that's a real point that we, we need to accept as, you know, as, as believers that, you know, our, our time on earth is, is limited. Um, and I guess, you know, sort of, um, I feel like I'm, I'm coming across uh, as, you know, sort of someone who's in the old days, but, you know, again, in, in modern society, death isn't something that we that we see and interact with on, on a regular basis. Uh, people tend not to die at home. They tend to die in, in hospitals. Um, as a community, we don't tend to have dying people in the houses and the community drawing together uh, to look after the dying person as we, you know, we, we might have done um, historically. Uh, you know, animal husbandry as well, which, which does involve involve death you know most of us are involved in that you know that's something that's um, hived off to a certain part of society uh, so you know I, my feeling is certainly when I speak to um, our patients and families you know as a society death is something that we don't 
we don't always talk about, we don't fully, fully acknowledge. And I think, you know, it's, there is a real humility in, in recognizing that we are all going to die. And that is, you know, that is very much part of the process of living, uh, you know, and ultimately, uh, you know, part of God's uh, ordained plan for us. Yeah. And I, I think just reflecting here as Christians, we have some, I don't know if tools are the right words, but we have, it's part of our faith that death is, it's not the, I mean, Jesus rises from the dead, but death is still an important part of our faith that we, um, like the, the, the person that we follow and worship, he himself died and went through that. Um, and so, uh, and historically, I know that uh, many Christians have often lived with that death in mind and, and lived as uh, thinking about how, how can I live so that when I do, when my time does come, whenever that will be, however that will be, my life will have been um, uh, holy and, and um, as and uh, and worthy of of the of the resurrection um, with God's grace. But but as you're saying, these days we often even even Christians can kind of f forget that uh, we can kind of just go about putting death into a corner and, and not thinking about it. Uh, but but you're as someone who encounters death and suffering often, you, you might. Your, your face, you come face to face with it um, on a regular basis. What are some ways that you, on one hand, kind of cope with that, um, with that, the pain and the suffering you, you experience? So that, that's my first, my first question. Yeah, um, so I suppose for me, part of it is recognizing some of the stresses of, of my job, you know, um, I don't think medicine's special. You know, there are lots of lots of difficult and stressful jobs out there uh, where we we come across difficult difficult situations. Uh, and I suppose you know the first step is recognizing that we are involved in those in those difficult situations, um, and then thinking about kind of the coping strategies that you have. So you, you know. For me, uh, I find going for a run or going for a bike ride a really great place to have just that headspace to to process to process things through, uh, and you know, sort of also also a place to get just to match the sort of sometimes the emotional uh, a mental workout that my that my brain does at work actually match that with a with a bit of physical tiring as uh, mm. as well. Uh, and I find, you know, find that uh, really useful. Uh, you know, having having people having people to around to talk to talk to and and share and just just reflect as well. Mm. I mean, uh, I'm always really grateful to to my wife. She's she's non medical and and you know it's it's great just having someone who's got a completely different um, paradigm to. To, to look through things okay. uh, you know, so many doctors end up marrying marrying other doctors and uh, uh you know i'm sure they have great relationships but i always sometimes worry that it's you know you just end up talking talking shop at the dinner table and uh you know you know, yeah. uh, so, so i'm always really thankful uh for my wife that she's she's got a, a different perspective to come from um thank you yeah 
And then another question is, if you if you feel that you can answer this, um, it, it is um, well how 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 has this um, your firsthand experiences of of death and suffering um, how has that um, influenced your your faith and um, uh, and then actually I have another question as well that's connected so so how so how has it influenced your faith yeah. Um... I'm going to be really wishy-washy on here, Josh. It's, um, I don't, you know, as, as with, as with becoming a doctor and as with my conversion, you know, there's, I suppose there's no real Damascus moment of, I, I had a patient die and then suddenly had, I had this big revelation. Um, but, you know, the, the suffering uh, that I see at work, um, you know, can sometimes be a real stark reminder of how blessed I am in my, you know, in my own life. Uh, you know, sort of just sometimes seeing the uh, the struggles and the difficult situations people have come come from uh, can can be a real sort of um, reminder of. Actually, you know, my own my own life's really, really good and really blessed. And uh, you know, I know it's quite a trite point, but we all we all, or I certainly get to the point where I sweat the small small stuff, and I'll be irritated or thinking or frustrated about a particular thing. And you know, so I just suddenly realise that's that's really not all that important. That's that's just the small stuff, you know. Um, uh, seeing. Mm seen so many people's lives particularly at um at the point where it's it's hitting crisis mm -hmm. uh, as a, my my own job is is a good mirror to to understand you know sort of some of the things that are important in life and some of the things which are uh, just sweating the small stuff really mm. okay thank you yeah and how does your um faith does your faith influence how you care for your patients in their suffering so for instance you were talking about speaking with the, their families especially um d does your faith play a role in that and if so how yeah i mean i guess this this kind of ties into my final point um about you know sort of ultimately the role of the physician is you know the role of the doctor is is to care um I'm a work in progress and you know sometimes I look at myself and know that I'm not the most most caring of people um and I think you know sort of the the job that I do is requires me quite often to look at difficult situations that people are in and come up with solutions uh, you know one, one of one of the mentally protective ways about you know sort of coming up with those solutions is it's kind of to to dehumanize the problem or just just see it as a problem that that needs that needs solving uh and you know i it's useful to have regular reminders and i think you know sort of when you sit down with a family who are upset that is a real regular reminder that you know actually 
what I'm doing in my job isn't isn't just solving problems, isn't just uh, applying academic knowledge. Uh, it is, you know, it's it's dealing with fellow human beings. It's you know, dealing with other people who are you know children of God, uh, and you know, I guess I guess in that sense, I'm very much a work in progress. You know that 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 those points where I am reminded, uh, you know, are are humbling and uh, are important, really. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And and well, let's go to that that last point then. Um, of that the role of this physician is to care. Can you? Can you explain what you mean by that, and what what you're not what you're saying the role of the physician is not to do as well? No. Um, so I wish I'd ever pulled some quotes out uh, on this. I guess I guess ten fifteen years ago I was kind of having this this slight dilemma in terms of you know what is it that I do as a doctor? What you know what's what's the hmm. what's the point of it? Uh, you know I, I kind of know what society expects of me i know what what my contract expects of me but you know on a more philosophical level mm-hmm. what is it what is it that i'm supposed to be doing um and you know we've kind of already said there's there's very few diseases that i see where i can heal someone you know quite often the treatments that i have will prolong life they can improve the quality of life um there's always the risk of side effects but you know, there's there's very few treatments that that we have available that are actually ever going to fully reverse and completely uh, get rid of a problem. Uh, so, and I guess naively, I'd always sort of thought, well, if I'm going to become a, a doctor, you know, sort of a doctor is a healer. But actually, you know, that's that's really that's really not the case. Uh, so. I read quite a lot of um, Stanley okay. Howell. Can I? Sorry, can I interrupt there? Sorry, can you? Can I interrupt there? When you say yeah. a doctor is not a healer, can you say what caused you to come to this understanding um, that the doctor is not a healer? Um, so I don't think there was any one particular any one particular instance, uh, but it was. I guess it was because my because being a doctor was always sort of. This child, this childhood idea that I'd grown up with, it was it was part of that, that idea maturing. So I guess I'd always wanted to help people and make people better. Uh, and you know, as I progressed through my career, uh, just the recognition that none of the treatments that we have available actually make people truly better. You okay. know, they don't bring about a complete transformation of the disease process such that such that it's it's gone you know we, we can prolong life we can improve life um we can improve the quality of life but you know we can never sort of just completely click our fingers and completely evaporate a problem away uh and i guess you know it's for me as i was growing up and developing and maturing it was it was quite a part of the maturing process just to understand actually, you know, this, this concept of, of medicine being healing or completely making people better is, isn't quite, isn't quite true. And I suppose then the question is, well, what is it that I actually do? You know, what is it, what is it that I'm, 
actually able to do. Uh, and, you know, ultimately it falls down to, you know, yes, there are lots of technical things that I've, that I've done, you know, that I can do. I've, you know, spent a lot of time being trained to do, to do these things. But ultimately, if you, you know, if you peel it back and back, uh, you know, Stanley Howell has some really, has written about this really, really well, you know, ultimately what I'm doing is I'm caring for people in, in difficult situations. And I suppose the, another way of looking at it is, you know, sort of, if as a doctor, my job is to make people better, when my patients die, am I a failure? Mm. You know, is, is, that a, is that a failing? Have I failed when people die? Uh, and, you know, I think if, you, if you've got this paradigm of doctors make people better or doctors heal, then, then ultimately, yes, you are a failure. Mm. But I suppose the, you know, as I've, some of the most rewarding experiences I actually have professionally are when patients do die, uh, you know, and to have been able to provide a comfortable death, enable the people that they love to be around them, uh, you know, to to have enabled them to have that that time to acknowledge um, the deaths come in, and you know, sort of be able to have those conversations that they want with their loved ones at the at the end of life. You know, that that actually is. You know, to be part of the team that's facilitating that, that, that feels good. That feels the right thing to do. Uh, and I suppose, you know, this, this suggestion that the role of the doctor is, and it's not really doctor, it's health, it's any healthcare worker. And, and perhaps, perhaps, you know, might extend it to everyone's job is to care, but, you know, particularly thinking in the healthcare realm, actually, our job is to care uh, for, for people in in these, you know, in these difficult situations. Yeah, thank you. Um, if you don't mind, could you give an example of of a time when you have when you've been a a conduit of care to your patients, or if you've seen others doing that? Um, I know you've you've described that generally, but maybe could you be more specific or 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 not? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's just there's just so many examples that you know that you that you see on a see on a daily basis um you know i think a particular you know one that, that resonates particularly at, at the moment is trying to you know particularly with covid19 around uh, and you know in in a lot of our local hospitals we you know visiting is is very difficult and, and really minimizing it uh, and I think, you know, just sort of facilitating visits to, to patients and seeing the, the benefit that that has uh, in sort of having, having loved, one, loved ones around is, you know, it's particularly resonant at the moment for me, uh, you know, because certainly uh, where I work, you know, we, visiting is really limited to just people who are, uh, near coming to the end of their life um and yet you know sort of the just just enabling the kind of the facetime the the whatsapp face you know 
video calls with with patients and okay. you know someone who's been in hospital for for a while you know they their mind's in a position where they've started to question whether they're ever going to get better and, and ever going to um, sort of fully fully get out of hospital uh, and then to just to see the the spark that you know suddenly that that phone that that call seeing the family's face on a you know on a on a tablet or a, a phone uh, brings to them you know just to be part of that that uh, you know that's that's really rewarding yeah and this brings back another point you mentioned earlier about the complexity of the human body you were saying at every level of the body there's this I thought of it as cooperation, where these cells, organelles, organs are working together. And, yeah. and it sounds like you're, part of your job as a, as a doctor and a, and a medical care worker, a medical worker is also facilitating that cooperation taking place on a, on a social level and, and seeing that some kind of comfort and care takes place when you when you do that um, when you're working with your team members or when you're facilitating relationships um, with your patients and their families um, and so that, there's a, a kind of a thread that I see there um, and then also as you as you pointed out to me earlier is just the humility involved in in what you're doing that um, just as there's far more complexity to the human body uh, than we are aware of there's also um, limits to what you as a doctor can do. And, and being aware of that maybe um, can provide some sense of freedom and show you what you can do and, um, and help you to, to walk in that direction. Um, so the, so you, those are your four points then of the, of the sermon. And the last one there on the role of the physician is to care. Just briefly, you had mentioned that perhaps that's not just the physician's role, but that's everyone's, perhaps everyone's role. Do you want to say any more about that? I, I always feel in I always feel in in conversations when I'm talking about medicine, you know, there's sort of a, an honoured position that that you have in terms of being a doctor, and there's something special about that. Uh, but I think you know, ultimately, a lot of the a lot of the challenges I face in my working life. Uh, and a lot of the, the things that I've been talking about here in terms of solutions or at least thoughts I've had around it, actually are very, you know, they're applicable to ev everyone, you know, regardless, regardless of, of where we, you know, where we work. Uh, you know, I think ultimately you could look at quite a number of different professions uh, and say, well, you know, so what is it that you do? What is it, what is it that you really, really do? Uh, and I think in a lot of cases, you know, it, it boils down, you know, to our role is to care. Yeah, th thank you. Yeah, and, and just going back to this body metaphor, just in my own thinking, the body is a temple uh, and we care for that temple. But then uh, you mentioned that the, uh, the church is the body of Christ. And so mm -hmm. caring for that temple is also caring for other members of that body, with, with compassion and with grace and, um, and cooperating with others, with the gifts and strengths that others have to, to live as a, as a healthy organism and, and even just brought more broadly in the communities that we're part of. So, so thank you for that, those images and, and sharing your experiences. And um, 
as someone who's on the front lines of care and in these really challenging times, I'm inspired by your dedication to your work and to your and to excellence in your work. And so thank you for for taking the time today to share your experiences and your thoughts with us. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me and, and thanks for chatting it through. And uh, just just your own reflections there as well have, have been a good um, good way of just clarifying uh, some of what I've been saying. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Matt. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please help us spread the word by sharing this episode with others. We'd also love to hear from you. So if you have any questions or feedback, you can get in touch by emailing foreshadowmagazine at gmail.com. You can listen to other conversations like this one and read other works of writing and art at foreshadowmagazine.com, where we post new work every week. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter on that same website. Our next forecast will be looking at depictions of the fate of humanity and the world in pop culture. Thanks for listening. That's the forecast for today.